This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant. We know you read on your own, but we also know you read together. And for those of you who read with a book club, this episode is for you. I'm Linda Holmes, and today we're recommending some great books for your next book club on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Third Love. Third Love makes solutions for every bra problem. Give yourself more lift, smoothing, and get straps that stay put. Every style's wear-tested on real women, made from premium materials, with a virtual fitting room to help you find your perfect fit. Comfort and support are guaranteed. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Climate change fuels hurricanes. China promises to stop. The big lie persists. Butterflies have hearts. Singers die. Plumbers win. Nurses persevere. Your world speaks. We listen. NPR Podcasts. More voices, all ears. Find NPR wherever you get your podcasts. On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing. Like, not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. <laughs> dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me today is one of the hosts of All Things Considered and NPR's daily afternoon news podcast, Consider This, Ari Shapiro. Welcome back, Ari. Thank you, Linda. It's so nice to be here. It's always good to have you. NPR's Books We Love feature is a sortable, explorable list of book recommendations from people inside and outside NPR. Today, we're highlighting some selections that might work for a book club. Ari, what is up first? Well, we've got three very different titles. So whatever your book club is interested in, hopefully one of these will fit the bill. And I want to start with a novel by a Scottish writer named Douglas Stewart. And a lot of people are familiar with his debut book, Shuggy Bane, which was wonderful and it won a ton of awards. His second novel is called Young Mungo. And honestly, I liked it even more than the first one. There are some thematic commonalities between the two. Like they're both set in Scotland in the late 20th century. They both feature a gay son and an alcoholic mother. There are some commonalities here with the author's life and upbringing as well. But Young Mungo centers on a kind of forbidden romance between these two teenage boys, one Protestant, one Catholic. It's beautiful. It's heartbreaking. It's transporting. It really sets you in a place and a time. It was one of those books where I felt bereft when I turned the last page because I wanted it to keep going. Yeah. And I know you spoke to Douglas Stewart. What do you find? How does it change a book for you when you talk to the writer of the book? For me, look, it's like having a private book club between me and the author with a few million people, give or take, eavesdropping, which is one of the things I love most about my job. I had enjoyed Shuggy Bane so much 
which I read just for fun on my own. When I saw he had a second book coming out, I thought, yes, I actually get to talk to him about it. And so one of the things that I found most interesting was that he had an entire career working in fashion. He was a textile designer before he got into writing fiction. And in fact, he started doing both at the same time. Now he's a full-time writer. But hearing him talk about the way his experience in the fashion world and in the art world informed his approach to writing was fascinating and not something I've heard from any other author I've ever spoken to. Wow. All right. Thank you very much. That, again, is Young Mungo by Douglas Stewart. What is our second pick? The second one is a debut novelist named Belinda Huijun Tong, whose book is called A Map for the Missing. And I love fiction that takes me someplace I've never been. And this book is set in rural China in the 1970s. It jumps back and forth in time between the present and the past. And it's got some of the kind of archetypal elements of a page turner. There's romance, there's family drama, there's societal upheaval, there's someone who's gone missing. But it is set in this rich, deep historical context that I found totally fascinating. Yeah, you know, I think a lot about the fact that you are somebody who has actually been to more places than many people in your career as a journalist. (laughs) What is it like when you read books about places that you have been? Do you find that to be, oh, you know, familiar and interesting as well? That's such a great question. There's a surprising push-pull and overlap between the stuff that I do as a journalist and the stuff that I read in fiction. And there are a couple examples that come to mind of books that are not on this list because they came out earlier. But like right after I returned from Colombia, where I was reporting on the Venezuelan refugee crisis, I interviewed a novelist named Karina Sainz Borgo about a novel she had written called It Would Be Night in Caracas, which through fiction covered the same kinds of issues that I had been reporting on through nonfiction. Similarly, many, many years ago, I read a book called The Hungry Tide by Amitav Ghosh, which is a novel set in this watery mangrove landscape called the Sundarbans, which straddles Bangladesh and India. Many years later, I went to the Sundarbans on a reporting trip. And so I love seeing a place both as a journalist and through the eyes of a fiction writer. I find that it just adds layers of meaning and real depth and richness to the experience. Yeah, I envy both the amount of reading that you do and the number of places that you get to go. So it makes perfect sense. (laughs) Well, I envy the amount of TV that you get to watch. So the feeling is mutual. (laughs) All right. So again, that's A Map for the Missing by Belinda Huijun Tang. What is your third pick? Third pick is completely different from the other two. It is nonfiction. It's written by an investigative reporter for The New York Times named Max Fisher. And the title of the book is The Chaos Machine, the inside story of how social media rewired our minds and our world. And this is actually a book that I thought, I know this story. I cover the news every day. I understand how Facebook, Instagram, YouTube hijack our attention. I don't think there's going to be anything new or interesting in this book for me. Turns out (laughs) the book is so compellingly written, so deeply researched, and so riveting I couldn't stop talking about it at dinner parties with my friends, with my husband. It was one jaw-dropping anecdote after another. And I just feel like anybody who uses social media should be aware of what is in this book. I've been talking about it to everybody I know. You know this about me, Ari. 
I enjoy social media. Mm-hmm, same. I am out there on the internet. You and I have had chats on Instagram and other places. Mm-hmm. I have read a lot of books that feel to me like from the outset, I'm being attacked. <laughs> for using social yes. media, you mean? Yeah. I feel yeah. like I'm being attacked for using, and I feel like there's a failure to understand the upside for for people of some of the connections that you make on social media. So explain to me why this is not that book. I am going to use a metaphor here that may feel like a stretch, but bear with me. Michael Pollan's book, This Is Your Mind on Plants, is a three-part book about the way plants affect us. He writes about opium, caffeine, and mescaline. And the entire caffeine section of the book is basically about all the ways that caffeine messes with our biorhythms and affects the way we relate to the world. Reading it did not make me stop drinking caffeine, but it made me appreciate more deeply the way caffeine is shaping my life in perhaps unseen ways, I say, as I actually literally have a cup of coffee right in front of me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that this book, The Chaos Machine, is not a scolding slap on the wrist kind of, you shouldn't be doing this. I found it to be a really helpful, oh, it's nice to be aware of what's going on in ways that I previously wasn't. And right. You know, like reading about caffeine, it didn't stop me from using it, but I feel like it made me a more informed consumer. Yeah. But I do want to ask you as a reader, how having worked on writing has affected the way that you read, if it has. The experience of writing a book and running that gauntlet is something that is so challenging in so many ways Anyone who gets a book to publication deserves a round of applause. And I'm not just saying that because I would like a round of applause. It's like, oh, now I really get how hard it is. I get what these authors actually had to do to reach the point that I have a book in my hands. And so I appreciate that on a different level now. Yeah. And I think for me, at least, it hasn't made me not critical. Like there are books that I think are good and books that I think aren't good. I think it gives you a little more insight into sort of how do you get from point A to point B and Mm -hmm. know what are the pressures and what can go wrong and what questions somebody's facing when they sit down to do a project like that. Look, I still maintain that at least 50% of the nonfiction books I read would be better off as an Atlantic or New Yorker length article. Mm -hmm. But if there's a book that I think works as a book length project, then I'm going to recommend it to you on Pop Culture Happy Hour. All right. That sounds very, very good. Again, Ari's third pick was The Chaos Machine, The Inside Story of How Social Media Rewired Our Minds and Our World by Max Fisher. If you want to discover even more books NPR loves, visit npr.org slash bestbooks. And that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for being here, Ari. What a delight. It's been such a pleasure, Linda. Thanks. And of course, thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This episode is produced by Ramel Wood and Mike Katzif and edited by Jessica Reedy with additional production support from Erica Ryan. The Books We Love team is Beth Novi, Natalie Escobar, Maureen Powell, and Megan Collins-Sullivan. Hello, Come In provides our theme music. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit S-A-A-T-V-A dot com slash NPR and save an additional $200. This advertisement comes from our paid sponsor, Fundrise. 
High interest rates mean that real estate assets are available at a discount compared to previous valuations. The Fundrise flagship fund plans to expand its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. Add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio at fundrise.com NPR. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fund before investing. Read the prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. Hey, I hear you have a birthday coming up. Yeah, you. If you're listening to this, that means you have a birthday coming up eventually. And here at LifeKit, we want it to be a special one. Magic can happen and good luck can happen and serendipity can happen if we're open to it. How to have a good birthday, even if you're not a birthday person. That's on the LifeKit podcast from NPR.